Welcome to Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we explore the local arts culture in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll explore all types of mediums with a goal of enriching local art culture. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. As always, I'm your host, Ben. And I'm Elise. And we're excited to dive in. So within the past week, I've been able to go out and take a couple more neon photos in the Coopersburg area, which is super exciting. What were you able to work on this week, Elise? I got some pottery back this week that I made over at the art establishment. Shout out Southside. And I actually did get some oil painting done this week, so that was really great. Oh, that's awesome. Anything specific that it was of? Um, It's actually of a photograph that I took (laughs) of my friend Tessa. So um, some some awesome fall colors, uh, some oil painting of flowing fabric. So overly complicated for one of my first oil paintings, but I'm enjoying it. That's awesome. Thanks. This week, we both went to the Bethlehem Library to check out Joseph Greenberg's famous sculpture, The Symbol of Progress, which many of you listening may be more familiar with as the Big Steel Sculpture in front of the Bethlehem Library. The Bethlehem Area Public Library actually also uses an image of this artwork for a lot of their logos. Uh, it's a cool cool yellow logo with a, a blue blue copy of of the the artwork and the logo so you can find more information about this piece on their website but it was by joseph greenberg uh, completed in 1967 called the symbol of progress Uh, at the time it cost around fifty thousand dollars and weighs about eleven thousand pounds so fun fact that we learned from the librarian while we were there was when it was installed it had to be brought in by helicopter because it is so large that's Super cool. So I'd love to share share a little bit of background um, about the piece. Yeah, uh, go for it. 1967, obviously around the time of the Vietnam War, there's a great article in Lehigh Valley Style on their um, on their on in one of their online articles um, about this piece being a symbol a symbol of peace and acceptance of diversity and i mentioned the helicopter that was actually um the one that they used was a chinook helicopter which is the same type of chopper that would be used to carry american troops into battle in vietnam so kind of a kind of a cool fun fact about yeah, this piece definitely does it say anything about why it was originally created so it's it's created out of steel as we noticed when we were there um very very commanding has that kind of rust color since it has been has been there for a long time um, but it was created to to symbolize the diversity and, and the ethnic groups living in Bethlehem and I think um, spatially where it's located it's a, a great piece for that area yeah definitely we were looking at all the different shapes that surround it and I think it's cool to look at it with that in mind in regards to shape too because we we do we have circles rotundas large squares and a lot of concrete surrounding it yeah yeah i think there's there's a huge aspect to appreciating public art in terms of spatial awareness like how how does the environment impact the art and how does the art impact the environment so as we noticed there it's very very cement covered not a lot of a lot of green space but when you look at the piece it does overlook Southside Bethlehem, which is the, the original original steel community, the factory community from Bethlehem Steel. Yeah. I know a lot of public art in city center locations is not necessarily abstract art. It's more like a, a soldier statue or something like that. How do you think that um, this this very abstract piece kind of reflects the city of Bethlehem? Yeah, I I think it's cool because the whole city of Bethlehem, depending on who you ask, they would 
they would all bring it back to Bethlehem Steel. But here, I think it is cooler to reflect it back on the community and those involved in the community, and especially celebrating the diversity included in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing about this piece being so tall and so big is it does make a huge statement, and it kind of starts with a very wide base and then tapers in the middle kind of connecting, which is that idea of fusing different ethnicities and, and experiences in the city and then kind of branches back out towards the top and it was it's a beautiful clear day today blue sky and I think that it, it almost looked like the sculpture was like propping up the sky when you look at it from from the perspective yeah. of the ground so yeah I loved it I, I love this piece I think it's awesome and we talked a little bit when we were there about how the city center area is used for um, different protests and um, public meetings. I've been to, I mentioned a Black Lives Matter protest there, as well as uh, an International Women's Day march there. So not necessarily something I noticed or paid much attention to, even though that this piece is so big, but to think that this space and this piece of art since 1967 has been experiencing all of these people coming through here, um, and all these people coming through here have experienced the art too. So super, yeah. super cool background and history on that. How many people unconsciously went to the library for a protest celebrating the same thing mm -hmm. that this piece was about? Yeah, it's it's a beautiful piece of work. And uh, I'll just throw one more fun fact out there that's also from that Lehigh Valley Style article. Um, Joseph Greenberg created a bunch of sculpture and artwork for the Philadelphia Zoo. But as listed in his obituary in the New York Times, uh, this piece, Symbol of Progress, was one of his favorites. It was assembled in the yards of uh, the Bethlehem Fabricators, and the steel, of course, was made here in Bethlehem. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, we have a guest coming on today, mm -hmm. and we are super excited about them. Enjoy. Allentown, Pennsylvania native Nina Budhansing received her BFA from Kutztown University of Pennsylvania in 2010. She is a former resident artist at Kutztown University, the Cigar Factory, and the Banana Factory here in Bethlehem. Nina currently works from her in-home studio in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. Inspired by nature, skyscapes, landscapes, microscopic images, and the cosmos, Nina's paintings represent microcosms and macrocosms based on abstract elements of the world. The surface of her work has a tangible texture built with paint, various gel mediums, sand, and gold leaf. Modeling layers, dimensions, and illusions of space in the painting, the finished pieces suggest worlds that are familiar yet distant. These worlds may include intricate drawings of pod-like structures, generally seen in her jewelry, that can move fluidly throughout or be alienated from the surrounding environment. Evoking a dreamlike quality, there is a mood of calmness in each piece. Hi. <laughs> so my name is Nina Budhansing. Um, I was born in PA here in Allentown. Uh, well, actually, we're in Bethlehem right now. <laughs> but I was, I was born and raised in Allentown. Um, I grew up near Muhlenberg College over by Sibs Deli. I don't know if oh, yeah. you're familiar with Sibs Deli, but they have really great Rubens. Um, I love shout out to Sibs. <laughs> <laughs> I love that place. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a great place. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was born in Allentown. Um, pretty much have just been here my whole life. Um, I was always considered myself like a homebody until I went to college. I went to college at, um, Kutztown. And when I, when I was graduating high school, I had no idea where I wanted to go to college I 
honestly didn't really have motivation to like do much. And I think it was just because in high school, I didn't have, like, I knew I wanted to be creative, but we didn't really have access to that. We had, um, an art class, but all you had to do was really literally draw a stick figure and you were accepted. So (laughs) when the other students were like, I drew this stick figure, I was like, I painted this picture. (laughs) I was like, why are we in the same class? (laughs) It needs to be an an AP art class. (laughs) Yeah. But I I always had that passion for for creating. And then um, I went to community college. And then, like I said, I transferred and I went to Kutztown. And that's really where I found the drive to stick with the arts um and after I graduated I was like I'm moving to the big city I'm making a name for myself you know I'm still here (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that no there's there's nothing wrong with it at all and I'm actually really glad that I did stay here um because I've met so many people and I've had so many wonderful opportunities and I got to stay close to home and close to my family and friends and I've met so many new friends and artists um but I, I remember like after college I went down to Philly for a weekend apartment hunting and then I'm like I'm like broke as shit. <laughs> like, wh- where am I going to go with my Red Robin salary? <laughs> like, I'm not getting this loft apartment. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of one of those things. Like I worked, I worked at, um, Bullock Art Materials. I worked there for a year and then I was like, okay, like I need to get a, a job with benefits. So I moved into the medical field. But I still had that passion for art. And I remember my grandpa, he always said to me, he's like, I'm going to see your name in lights one day. And he was right. I mean, it wasn't like big flashy lights, but I've had my name like on gallery walls, which is really cool. Yeah, that Um, is cool. And I did get to show in Philly a couple times. So that was neat. So it was like, you don't have to move to the big city just to be an artist or follow yeah. your dream like you yeah. can do it from anywhere definitely I, mean, I did it from my tiny bedroom at my parents house <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's totally like the universal creatives experience I know for me at least I lived in Philadelphia for a while I know Ben you did an internship in New York for a while yeah, and, I, was, I was in New York for almost a year and, uh, I kind of growing into this this job that I have now have really thought a lot about do I want to stay here as a nonprofit mm-hmm. administrator and I do like I just love the yeah. area like this is where I grew up too and it's it's home and there's a lot of a lot of cool art and a lot of cool shit to do so yeah. yeah and that's that's the thing I mean like I love going to New York you know I love walking around the city but that's not my home you know like I I'm always ready to come back here no matter where I go. And it's exciting when I can go to places and meet people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an artist in this little town that maybe you've never heard of. <laughs> like, but it's outside of Philly. Oh, yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> what? I've never uttered that phrase. 
that's, that's part of our pitch here in the here in the studio. People are like, "Oh, where are you located?" Well, we're in Bethlehem, but we're like an hour from Philly, hour from New York, a couple hours yeah. from DC. I mean, we got yeah. everything near us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> best best of both worlds. You get that that awesome home community aspect with the the opportunity to to do some cool day trips mm-hmm. and and oh, yeah. whatever else you want to do. Get your art get your art fix. Yeah. So, Nina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having um, me. Absolutely. Uh, we're excited. excited to have <laughs> you here at Steel Pixel Studios. Yes. Um, and thank you for, Nina sent over some awesome pictures of her artwork that we'll get to talk about today. Um, so do you want to dive a little bit into your, into your art? What kind of mediums do you work with? I know your bio, you talked a lot about all kinds of stuff that you, that you work on, but uh, if you've, uh, what, what do you do? What's your art look like? So primarily I'm an abstract painter. Um, I dabbled in like still lives and figure drawing when, um, when I was in college, but the figure drawing don't, Oh my gosh, that was terrible. Let's just say everything was always out of proportion. Everything. And my professor was like, what is this? Like, that does not look like that. I'm like, yeah, I know. So figure drawing is not my strong point. A lot of people are like, can you paint a picture of my kid? Or can you do a pet portrait? And I'm like, if you want it to look like a giant blob, sure. (laughs) (laughs) It might have three legs and one arm, but. (laughs) So, yes, abstract is my way to go. Um, I really love to work with kind of like create um the different dimensions um, Mm. through texture and just layering the paint. Most of my paintings, especially the larger works, just have layer upon layer upon layer. And you don't always realize it when you look at it, but a lot of times I'll, um, well, typically I do an underpainting Mm -hmm. um, and then just try to kind of get like a base color Sometimes it's solid. Sometimes it's a blend of different colors. And then I'll start adding um, depth to it mm-hmm. with, you know, light tones, dark tones. And then I bring the texture in with palette knives. Um, I've already used pieces of wood, cardboard, saran wrap, anything, <laughs> like pretty much anything I can find. Yeah, <laughs> My yeah. hands, just, just to get like a different feel and kind of really... This is going to sound really cheesy, but like be the painting. <laughs> no, no, I like it. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a lot of small works just partially because those sell easier. Definitely. <laughs> and they're easier to transport. But ideally, like if I could only work on large canvases, I would. But I also don't have the place to store all of the large <laughs> canvases. And canvases are expensive. <laughs> they are. They are very expensive. I love to build them, but that also takes a lot of time oh, and effort. Yes. I love big canvases, big pieces of art, but I find a blank canvas, especially a big one, super intimidating. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you kind of combat that? It can be intimidating. Um, but I will say that even small canvases can be. Because I like I envision everything like really large. 
I'm like, okay, this is like, this is what I'm gonna do. It's gonna be great. And sometimes it's like not so great. But <laughs> but but even with the smaller canvases, like I'm like, okay, how do I get this large idea on this little piece? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will rework and the canvases. So sometimes, you know, I'm like, okay, I want it to look like this. I want, even though it's abstract, like I still have a placement for the colors and the designs mm-hmm. like, in my mind. Um, and sometimes it's like, I look at it and I'm, I'm looking at these panels on the wall right now, like as if they're canvases like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know nobody else can see it, but I'm, like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, and I, I just like, I almost use the black canvas as a sketchbook, mm-hmm. like a mental sketchbook. Yeah. I don't really keep um, a sketchbook as such. Like I have a pocketbook that maybe I'll jot things down so that I don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have a sketchbook that may be like a realistic artist or um, a, a drawer would have. Sure. Um, but it, it is, it can be intimidating because you look at it and you're like, well, what if it's, what if it doesn't turn out how I want it to? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, in my case, it doesn't turn out how I originally imagined, but it ends up turning out to be better than I expected. Yeah, yeah And I think I just, you, you have to like remind yourself of that. And nobody ever has to see it either. If you don't like it, you can paint over it. (laughs) There are plenty of canvases that I'm just like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going to redo the whole thing. That's cool because a hundred years from now when you're famous and we're all gone, (laughs) see some restorative worker chipping away at your painting, cleaning it up. There's three paintings underneath this painting. Yeah. You will find that. (laughs) You, You said the works that you don't think are good, you'll do that with. How do you determine what you think is good or not? I think the way it makes me feel. Okay. Even mm-hmm. though like as an artist and I don't I don't know if you may both of you may agree like you know when something feels complete. Definitely. Um and I have some paintings where they didn't feel complete to me but somebody liked it so much mm. that they were like leave it I'll buy it. I'm like, but it's not done. They're like, yes, it is. <laughs> and that's the other thing with artists is we, is like, as a painter, we think too much about it. And sometimes we overwork it. Like artists don't always know when to stop. Yeah, definitely. As if you, you have to ch- almost train yourself to know when to stop. Yeah. Deadlines so, can be a good thing sometimes. Yeah. So th- <laughs> there's a lot of time where I'm working on something and I will say out loud, I'm like, you have to stop, walk away from it, <laughs> sleep on it, come back to it in a couple of days. And yeah. that usually, that usually works. Yeah. That's awesome. It's similar. I have a couple of friends that are musicians and they've created a couple songs in the past where they're like, I love the way this song has turned out, but I'm never going to publicly release it. Cause I set out to capture this emotion in this song. And in the end it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted it to mm-hmm. do. So in my mind, for this specific song, it's bad. Like, is it bad overall? No, but it's not the emotional journey that I wanted to take mm-hmm. my my viewers on. <laughs> and so it's it's cool connecting across different mediums and seeing that that emotional core is is present everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. 
Absolutely. So I'd, I'd love to get into a couple of the pieces that you shared with us and um, provide provide a little bit of description. So uh, last week on the podcast, we shared a little bit of information about audio description. Um, for a podcast setting, it's great because we get to sit here and, and describe the artwork for the listener. Um, so we'll start with your In the Garden piece, if that's okay. Sure. Very good. So artist Nita Budhansing. Title is In the Garden, created in 2021. Uh, it's done in acrylic, and it is 36 inches by 48 inches. Um, this piece is abstract, done on canvas. The background of the canvas is completely absorbed in a deep-valued turquoise color. Differences in color cover the canvas in lighter shades of green, turquoise, and just a bit of white. The variations of naturalistic teal and yellowish tones and the blending technique used to lay the paint create an appearance almost like water in a pond, reflecting the environment around it. Over the top of the teal background sit rich abstract sections of lightly blended gold and royal blue paint. Brushstrokes of gold have been dabbed sporadically throughout the painting. Awesome. I love this painting. I can see it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's good. (laughs) It's, I mean, you truly can get lost in this piece. I agree. It's... It reminds me very much of the Narcissus looking in the pond, kind of um, the painting where it's just so, I'm so drawn to the way it looks like water and the reflection. And mm. as you start, abstract work is is beautiful in its own. And as you start to kind of pick apart the shapes, um, your brain creates faces or it creates mm-hmm. trees or whatever. And that's that's just kind of how, how one interprets it. But I... I'm very partial to turquoise and teal, so I, I love the color. And I, I know you mentioned you have a big tub of, of teal paint. I do. <laughs> Always um. accepting donations. <laughs> uh, Dick Blake, if you're listening. <laughs> Golden brand. <laughs> but, yeah, I it's it's absolutely beautiful, and I... I see this painting like hanging over a fireplace in a lake house kind of thing where you can look out at the water and then turn and look to your painting. It's just, it's just gorgeous. Thank you. I appreciate your words. Yeah, it's, I, I had that one in my studio for a while. Um, and I had it like on the wall behind my, my studio desk. So when I would have zoom calls for work, that was, if I had my camera turned on, that was what they would see. And I'm like, I hope everybody sees this. <laughs> that's awesome. I do that too. That's a, that's a flex right there. <laughs> I'm just like, what painting can I put behind me today? <laughs> I didn't realize that was a universal experience, but oh my God. Like, look I at my like, talent. A little, a little collage that I did like by my desk and people are like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. Yeah. It's like, oh, you saw that? <laughs> Thanks. I'm so embarrassed. Oh my God. I can't believe I put that there. <laughs> have you have you had individuals on those calls ask who made it? My, my manager. She's also into the arts, which is oh, great. Okay. We have that connection. So she always says something oh. um like she'll notice when i rotate the work but no one else has ever really said much i think it's just like you know let's strictly keep it to work that's fair <laughs> the most the most you ever get is like someone's dog is barking <laughs> someone's art fell off the whole yeah. time <laughs> oh, no I but i do that. i do work with a great team so okay. nice. but yeah. um yeah, back, I mean, back to that piece, like, 
it takes you somewhere. And I I want my work to create that feeling, especially the larger pieces. Um, For a long time, (laughs) I would always say, I'm like, am I, is it weird to say that I wish I could like be inside of one of my paintings? And some people are just like, yeah, it's kind of (laughs) weird. But then I talk a little trippy. But then like I talk to other artists and other people that have those same feelings and they're like, oh, like I saw this painting and like it just takes me somewhere. Like I feel like I could just like sit inside of it, like among the clouds or something. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's how I feel. Well, I apparently have a habit because I did this last week too of comparing our artist's work with another artist's work. So actually when I was writing the description for this, I was looking up examples um, and looking at Monet's paintings Mm -hmm. and how – some of them are just so massive, like mm-hmm. absolutely, totally immersive. Like in your peripheral vision, you stand in front of it. You can't see anything else other than the painting. Very much creating the effect of where you could step right into it, into this world. And I think that's exactly what this does. And I haven't even seen it in person and I still feel that way. But um, just that you've created this this alternate reality of teal and gold. And it's it's just so beautiful. I love it. And I know you, can, um, you mentioned that your mom compared it to, had a, a specific comparison to what this, this piece reminded her of, too. Yeah, she said it reminds her of when she would camp in Canada at the, they had a cabin on the lake mm. that they would go to every summer. And um, she said it just reminds her of that moment, you know, with the sun and the trees and everything reflecting off of the lake. Yeah. So it, it's so cool when people can look at something and say, like, this reminds me of something from my childhood. I've actually had that a lot with certain paintings. Yeah. So there was one piece that I actually, it was, I think it was like a 48, it might've been a 48 by 36, something like that, or a 48 by 30, but it was a lot of like pinks and purples and some white, but different, different shades, but the colors really popped and um, I named it Childhood Dreams, and somebody bought it, and they were like, this takes me back to my childhood, and I was like, look at the title. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh my god!" <laughs> That's awesome that she oh, that interpreted is... it in the yeah. way that you did when you, when so you created cool. it. Well, for In the Garden, we've all been making a lot of comparisons to to water. Was mm-hmm. that a conscious inspiration for this piece? Um, the water... It wasn't necessarily my first thought when I went into it, but the more I worked with it, mm-hmm. um, I started to see like the reflections. So I started to work with those, if you will, reflections yeah. uh, with the way I worked the paint and with the palette knife. Um, and again, it, it just reminded me of being in a flower garden with like small ponds yeah. So I was like, in the garden. That's what it is. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Thank good. you. When it comes to your pieces, we we talked with Michael a little bit last week um, about how, how we have found it difficult to name pieces. Mm. Do you have that same difficulty as well? I do. Very much so. And sometimes I'll name something just to name it. I'm like, well, that sounds stupid. I'm like, that doesn't, like, I didn't even, like, try. <laughs> so it'll just go untitled. Yeah. Um, I, as an artist, I feel, I feel like I need to title everything, 
But I, I don't think you do, really, because it can it can be whatever you want it to be. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting because hearing the title in the garden, I immediately think like trees, flowers, very, very mm-hmm. like deep green. But then I look at the painting and it's it's more teal and bluish and blue green. And I think that the um, the title creates more of a perception, which isn't a bad thing. But I wonder if that's why a lot of artists do choose to mm-hmm. to leave stuff untitled, because if you like Ben, if you had to title this piece, what would you call it? Like just from looking at it. That's a loaded question. I know. Putting them on the spot. Probably something like Reflections at High Noon. Ooh. Oh. Because. You win. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even, don't even ask me. Jeez. I, I wouldn't go for Sunset because if, if it is going to be water and a reflection, mm-hmm. then the blue and that, that sun reflecting directly into it being very yellow mm-hmm. wouldn't make much sense. But, yeah. but at High Noon... It would definitely get scattered being right above the water. How fancy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, just kind of pulling back to the, the title question is yeah. it does it does create a perception of the artwork. So now when you it's titled in the garden, now I look at it, I'm like looking for trees, I'm looking for plants, mm-hmm. I'm looking for for people and people walking through the garden, even though it is abstract. I that's just how my brain works and mm-hmm. just just love art. <laughs> Yeah. There, there's also a movie that I used to watch all the time when I was a kid. With I'd watch it over at my grandparents' house. It was called The Magic Garden. Hmm. And I honestly don't really remember much about the movie, except I watched it all the time with my grandmother. And it was like, I don't even know what time period it was supposed to take place. I just remember there were two little kids in a bathtub and I think the one kid, like, I think they got in a fight or something. I don't know. <laughs> and he fell out of the tub. But this whole, from what I recall of the movie, the whole thing took place in some, like, magical garden. Mm-hmm. And that kind of came to mind in that painting. It, it like, brought me back to that movie. And I'm like, well, now I have to watch the movie. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, sure. I don't really remember it. It was just, like... For some reason, I remember the kid falling out of the tub. <laughs> of course, that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I, I do want to jump to your other piece because color-wise, it is very stark contrast um, contrast to this piece. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read the description for it if that's okay before mm-hmm. we before we talk about it. Um, but the title is After Dawn, also created 2020. Also an acrylic, and it is 40 by 40, so another another good size piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is also an abstract piece done on canvas. Um, from the center of the work spreads lush sunset tones that blend into a purple that cover the outer edges of the canvas. Uh, peeking from behind the pinks and purples in the upper corners of the canvas is a radiant teal color, a color that makes small reappearances throughout the painting in light brush strokes. The entire work is an abstract mist of color, indicative of the light that reflects on the clouds at sunrise. There is texture along the bottom of the work created by a thicker application of acrylic paint covered by bits of gold leaf. I think I'm going to hire you to just do all the descriptions for my work. (laughs) So when people are like, can you describe this? I'm like, wait, 
Hold on. I have someone. <laughs> maybe maybe I found my calling. Maybe it's not art. Maybe it's writing. Well, I guess writing is a but form of art. I don't, I don't really have a lot of money because I'm an artist, so I have to pay you in paintings. <laughs> well, I'll send you the ones I did, and I'll accept as many paintings as you're willing to give me. It's like so, as an artist, you're always on like that barter system. Like, oh. I, I have indeed bartered a, a skirt that I hemmed for a piece of metalwork one time. So nice. my, my best barter to date. But That's amazing. So uh, Yeah. So Ben, why don't you talk about this piece yeah. a little bit, what you like about it? And yeah. I, I love the gold paint on it. I think that it adds a, a really cool touch that... would almost be, uh, I mean, obviously if it weren't there, it would be missing in mm -hmm. comparison to this. But to me, it, it really completes the whole image. Um, at what point in your process did you decide to add that in? The very end. Nice. Because I knew <laughs> something was missing and I didn't know exactly what it was. And I looked at it for a while and I took a step back. I'm like, gold leaf. <laughs> it needs gold leaf. And then I kind of like, played around with like I I mapped it out in my brain like while I was looking at the canvas I'm like okay yeah. it needs a little bit to the right and then a little bit to the lower right but more towards the center <laughs> <laughs> um and after I applied the gold leaf I'm like that's it that's what it needed <laughs> yeah absolutely that's really cool in in looking through some of your other works I've seen that you you change the dimensions of your paintings a lot and work in a lot of different dimensions, whether it's mm -hmm. a really long, skinny rectangle, a square. Um, what drew you to do a square for this specific piece? Um, I think, so a lot of times when I'm doing um, pieces similar to that, to this one, the after dawn, um, Typically, I would do more of a landscape feel because of the content, but I wanted to try something a little different and, you know, put it on a square. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see if I can get the same feeling of a lands like the landscape of the skyscape, I guess you could say, um, but still have the same feeling in a square frame. I think it was successful. <laughs> I would I would agree with you there. So we t we talked before about that uh, that emotional pull to it. Mm -hmm. um, if you had to sum it up in an emotion or a couple emotions from the beginning, what were you trying to capture with this piece? Hmm. I let me think. I'm like where. Where was I at that time in my life? <laughs> oh, the pandemic. <laughs> so, you know, I really, I needed something to really brighten things up, brighten the room. Um, you know, that little ray of sunshine, which it's almost, it, it's almost, it was almost unintentional, I should say. Let me, how many times can I say that? <laughs> almost. <laughs> um. I wanted to bring some warmth and like yellow orange out in some area of the piece. And I believe it's like right, almost right in the middle. Mm, yeah. yeah. And it just reminded me of the sun peeking through after a storm or early in the morning as the sun's rising. 
Um, I have, I live on the West end of Allentown and our home sets up a little higher than the rest of the houses on the block. So you can actually see South mountain in a distance. Mm. So when the sun's coming up, if I get up early enough, I can see the clouds changing color and it's so beautiful. And I think this piece kind of was like an inspiration, like those clouds were an inspiration. Um, because I, you don't always see that stuff. Like you don't, you just get up, do your daily routine, but every now and then, cause my bedroom is in our bedrooms in the back of the house. So we get the sunset in that, that room. So, when I wake up, it's always dark and I never really think like, oh, well, I can go watch the sunrise. I mean, there is a giant pine tree that like blocks <laughs> right where the sun is. So I can like I can see like around it, but I can never actually see the sun from that window. Yeah, <laughs> but I can still appreciate everything else around it. Um, and I had the same experience when I was a resident artist at the cigar factory a few years back um gosh it's probably been like several years already um but i was on the fourth floor and i faced the west so i always saw the sunset over like the blue mountain area it was gorgeous and like i would see things like this painting yeah like things that i wouldn't normally get to see when like every day and living in the city but when you're on pretty much the roof yeah of an old cigar factory it's like yeah you get to see these things and like i loved that i have the i had these huge windows and i i loved seeing stuff like that so a lot of my work is still to this day inspired by the views that i got from that those windows at the cigar factory that's awesome it's interesting that you say that because um before we talked and before um, we had the chance to really kind of get into the intricacies of this piece, um, I definitely compared it to a sunrise. And there's there's no sun in the photo. Mm-hmm. Like, it's purely this kind of billowy, like, cloud texture. Um, but you know it's a sunrise, just mm-hmm. purely on color, because that's what you associate with it is this gorgeous pink color. Like, where, where does, in my brain, knowing that some, a lot of your work is kind of naturalistically focused, like, where do you see that occur in nature? Ah, a sunset mm-hmm. or a sunrise. <laughs> so it's it's very, very much, very much those colors. Um, and I I do want to ask a little bit about technique with this piece because I have been working on oil painting and something I really struggle with is this blending technique. And you have blended this so seamlessly that it's it's impossible to tell like where one color stops and one color ends and you have the teal kind of peeking through the background which creates that sky and it's the lighting and just how do you do it (laughs) so it took me a very long time to work because these these paintings are acrylic Mm -hmm. so I do like I dabble in oil. I actually really miss working in oil <laughs> because everything just blends so nicely with acrylic. It doesn't always right. Like, you right. really have to work yeah. it. You have to know what you're doing, Definitely. and it doesn't always turn out like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know none of my paintings look like this. Why not? <laughs> um, 
work fast, and I think mm-hmm. that that's part of it. Um, like I, I will get hand cramps sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of my painting instructors told me at freshman year in college, a lot of painters will get like carpal tunnel. Mm. And I'm like, well, now, <laughs> now I know why, because yeah. like the way you hold the brush and the way like, and I hold every brush I hold differently. Like I don't, I really don't think that I hold any one, like any two brushes the same. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Sure. Um, It's tough because, so I use golden paints. Um, Typically I use the heavy body or the fluid acrylics. Mm. I love the fluid acrylics and those um, blend easier. Right. Um, if I use the heavy body, sometimes I'll like either use a glazing liquid or I'll water it down, but I can't, you can't water it down too much because then it either gets muddy or Mm. it actually starts to like pull away the other paint. And then it just kind of like pushes everything around. You're like, well, that doesn't (laughs) like, then it's gray or yeah. (laughs) Um, I will also, like, I think with that one, I think I used um, a combination of, like, wet brush and dry brush. Hmm. And I'll alternate. Like, I'll have the wet brush, but then I'll have the dry brush in one hand. So yeah. it's like I might be primarily painting with the right hand, and then I take the dry brush and kind of, like, lightly blend so that everything, like, slowly blends together, but it doesn't get muddy. And this goes back to what I said earlier. Like, you need to know when to stop. <laughs> you need to know when to stop and just let it dry. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can overwork it. Absolutely. Um, and you have to know which colors work well together. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I think this is going to look really cool. And then I'm like, well, now it's just like gray. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely those important color theory lessons. Yeah. Pay attention to your color mixing. Well, you can't yeah. just slap everything on at once. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely can't. I mean, and you I, can, but it won't look like that. I mean, that. You, you can, yeah. You can do whatever you want to do. But it's... Fair. Yeah. It's not going to look like Nina's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that teal choice plays into that really well. The 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 choice to do teal instead of a, a darker or a lighter blue mm-hmm. is is beautiful there. And that teal being a shade of green too mm-hmm. I, I think that it it blends in so well with all the other colors there i'd love i'd love to hear more about your decision to to use teal in this piece um it i wanted a little pop of a cooler tone because i felt like the pinks and reds and purples and I think there's well there's some orange in there mm-hmm. i didn't want it to be so overpowering in this one um and because it was kind of based on a sunrise i wanted to have almost like little glimmers of blue sky yeah like i love when i love when there's like a bad storm rips i mean i don't like storms but like when (laughs) when a storm rips through and then all of a sudden it's like silent and you have that like eerie orangey gray overcast Mm -hmm. yeah but then you look through the clouds and like 
some of the clouds are kind of highlighted yellow, but then you see like the little glimmers of blue sky, and you're like, there's hope. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> like that's how this painting is. It's like there's yeah. hope. There's yeah, there's definitely. always there's always like a happy ending. At least I would. <laughs> I like to imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Happy end. Yeah, this this piece makes me feel so warm and like that's such a good yeah, good phraseology I think that for just like growing up um I had a hard time you know with uh, I'm just going to like drop this in here quick but like <laughs> growing up can be tough, you know, and my mom was like, my dad traveled a lot. I mean, he my dad was always there, but he was primarily the worker so like he traveled a lot and I think sometimes that was like hard for me because my mom was raising four kids and my dad was like working at the power plant and my mom like was always there building me up and my dad too. Like my, when my dad would come home, like there were nights where I just couldn't sleep and my, my dad always like both my parents always instilled like that little glimmer of hope, no matter like how sad you might be or how bad you might think it is. And I think, I really feel like that's where this painting came from. Like there's beauty in everything. Um, even the most terrible things, I truly believe that something good will come out of it. And this painting, it's like, it's peeking through. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. Got very emotional there. No, I, well, that, that makes that's why I like talking to artists about their art. It makes me emotionally invested in the yeah. art and it's relatable and it's after dawn. That's, that's rebirth. That's yeah. ev every day. A new kind of shows new mm -hmm. hope kind of thing. And I, it's, it's a beautiful There's, piece. Yeah. And thank you. There, there is a lot to that piece. I mean, it, it does just really remind me of present day and growing up and having the support of my family and with, 2020 being a shit storm it's like what we're yeah what 2020 what <laughs> now we're like 2021 like are you done yet <laughs> yeah when referring to last year most of us are referring to 2019 at this point <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what happened over the last year but i don't either yeah like, i don't know where it went but yeah. the art definitely helped me get through that's awesome yeah and it was happy to share these pieces with yeah, everyone thank you thank you i i would like to uh to jump over to your beer cans okay um that you've designed so i wish i, I had some full ones here i <laughs> i looked all over the lehigh valley at three different stores this week uh after i saw them on your instagram and i couldn't find them they're from and correct me if i'm wrong well-crafted brewery in lansdale mm -hmm. um so a little, little micro brewery but i will definitely have to go find them after this <laughs> but yeah the the artwork on the cans the design is that tell us a little bit about it how'd you get into that um funny like background story i always thought it would be so cool to have my artwork on a label especially beer it's like it's beer <laughs> 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 but no i mean like and everybody sees it and like i'm i'm the type of person where it's like i i'll drink a lot of different types of beer but there's also some types of beer that i'm just like i will not drink like i do not like stouts forget it um <laughs> anything super high in abv i'm just like nope can't do it but i do 
purchase beer sometimes, a lot of times, just based on the artwork. I'm like, this looks really awesome. I don't care what it tastes like. like <laughs> we were right before you came in. We were just talking about that, about how I went to Shangi's this past weekend and I was looking at beer cans and I was like, huh, this label is so cool. This one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so right you know, right before this happened with the with the beer cans, my fiance was like, "Oh, you know what you should do? Like, you should start looking at local breweries and see if they need an artist." I'm like, "Yeah, that would be really cool. I should do that." And of course, like, I didn't do anything about it. But three weeks later, Well Crafted Beer Company in Lansdale contacted me. Um, it was, I don't know the exact connection. It's our friends family's husband. It's like space think. balls right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, I can't think of like the whole connection. But he's the head brewer. And oh, um, cool. his wife reached out to me and she said that they heard about my work and then they looked at my website and it really fit with um, their brand. And they asked if I would be interested in showing my work and they have like gallery walls. They call them like their beer gallery walls. They asked if I'd be interested in hanging my work down there. So I was one of, I believe, three artists that were the first to hang work down there when they first opened. And then shortly after that, they asked me if I'd be interested in designing some labels. I'm That's like, awesome. oh my gosh, this is so cool. <laughs> like, yes, I, I want to do that. Um, but then the government shut down. So there was a long waiting game with getting the labels approved mm. uh, and okay. then the government reopened and then it closed again. <laughs> what? The American government? <laughs> what? <laughs> so it was a very long process, but it was worth it. Excuse me for a second. I don't have a tissue. I don't think. And I don't know what to do. Let me. Hey, Elizabeth. Pause would you mind grabbing one quick? I got one. Oh. Never mind, she I got one. <laughs> I have really bad allergies. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> so the the beer cans, where where was I? Here? The government shut down. The government yes, shut the government down shut the second down. time. Um so yeah. So after all it was said and done, it was almost a year, I think, that went by until they actually were able to finally get my labels out on the cans. Mm. So wow. I have they ran three so far with my design. Um, I haven't heard anything as far as if they're going to continue with some of my work. I know that they did have some other artists on there that were really cool. Um, and it's awesome because they give us a shout out on the cans with our name and yeah. like our Instagram handle oh, if so they cool. have it. So when they first came out, when they did the first run of, of one of my designs, um, a bunch of my friends went down and like picked up four packs oh. and some, some people that I work with were like, here's money. Like, can you grab a four pack? Oh, and then so cool. they're like, and sign it. And I was like, what? Oh. And they're like, no, like you have to autograph it. And I was just like, that's cool. Like, oh, that's uh. awesome. <laughs> And, like, every time, like, something like that happens or every time I have a show, even if it's just, like, something small, I get so giddy, like a little kid, 
Because I'm just like, I always, I'm like, I always wanted to be an artist. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I, I mean, I am. And I, it's, I think it's also hard as a creative, like, it doesn't matter if you're a photographer, a painter, a drawer, a musician, a videographer, like, when you make it, you still feel like you didn't make it. A hundred percent. That's too, maybe too on the nose. And, and, like, you have to just be like, no, I'm a badass. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a pencil at home that says total badass. That's <laughs> awesome. And I'm just like, I got to write with this every day. <laughs> yeah, it's like growing up, you play house, and then... You're an adult. You're an adult. And then you have a house. Then you have a house. It's like I still feel like I'm playing house sometimes, even though yeah. this is my <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good theme. A good a good theme for artists is when do you when do you feel you've made it? When do you go from being the student, being the the on the side artist to like this is what you do. I identify as an artist kind of thing. Yeah, and I still, I will be honest, like, I still don't, I'm still, like, I'm waiting. <laughs> but every, like, people come to me, they're like, oh, like, I saw your work here, I saw your work there, like, oh, like, it looks like you're doing really well. I'm like, but am I? <laughs> and, like, you have to get out of your head. Like, it's a hard to get out of your own head. Definitely. And just, like, accept yourself and be like, I'm a badass bitch. <laughs> like, I got this. <laughs> I love it. But it, it's nice when you have the support of so many people, too. And, I mean, growing up, I lacked self-confidence. And as I continue to grow, I'm finding that, like, I have more self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, if you would have asked me four years ago to go on a podcast, I would have <laughs> nope. <laughs> Got to take off my anxiety medicine first. <laughs> But hey, now I can take my anxiety medicine and function. <laughs> That's I love it. the dream. <laughs> or at least like pretend. <laughs> Spoken like a true creative. So in terms of support, in terms of, of kind of finding your artist community, do you feel like you've found that here in the Lehigh Valley? I do. Yeah. Um and, like, I will always say my mom and dad are, like, my number one fans. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure my fiance is, too. But <laughs> he's, he's third when it comes he's to the third. support of mom and dad. Totally. But, yeah, my, my parents, I remember it was like, well, are you sure you want to go to school for art? Because, like, yeah, you're probably not going to make a living out of it. And I was, I was determined and even like any job I've had, it didn't have to be art. I mean, I did an exercise at one of my previous jobs and you had to ask 10 people to describe you in three words and they could be positive or negative. And so many people use the word determined and creative and I forget what the other one was, <laughs> but um, no, I know one was sensitive, but that's because I am very sensitive, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I've always just been very determined and motivated and it's like, I'm one of those people that's like, if you tell me no, like, don't tell me no. <laughs> no, because I will prove effect. you wrong. <laughs> 
I might not show you immediately, <laughs> but I will prove you wrong. Well, I, I think that's great. I think that really plays into this generational theme we have building of, oh, God, what, Gen Z. Or, are we Gen Zers? I don't even know. Yeah. Gen Zers or Zillennials or Millennials. This kind I of. I don't even know. This age group of, <laughs> of not identifying by what your job is, by what your, but by what your passions are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you mentioned you work a full-time job in the medical field, but you're an artist. Mm-hmm. That's your passion. I think that's, I mean, Ben does work that's in, yeah. <laughs> in his field, but that's, that's how I always feel is, is I identify as a creative or as an artist or a musician, but even if that doesn't always reflect in my work right now, mm-hmm. it does, but it might not always. And that's, that's okay. And that's what my, my dad always reminds me. He's like, cause I've had conversations with him and, and my mom where I'm just like, I, I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I know what I want to do. At least I think I know what I want to do, but I'm still here. I'm still there. Yeah. And my, my dad tells me all the time, he's like, your job does not define you. I mean, and nothing is permanent. You can change any time. Like you just have to find what you like doing and do it. Absolutely. I'm like, all right. I'm like, so I don't have to let, you know, my day job define who I am. Like, and and my fiance tells me the same thing. He's like, it doesn't mean that you have to do that for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm like, you're right. I think sometimes we creatives just get stuck in their heads. Everybody does. Yeah. But it's like, you gotta somehow coach yourself how to get outside of that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, definitely. I I want to throw in a term that I read in an article sometime over the last couple of weeks um, called the artist wound and how everyone has an artist wound, whether you identify as an artist or not. And it's kind of this concept where unless your work has monetary value because of the capitalistic society we live in, unless your your artwork has value or can be can be kind of traded for money, is it is it worth anything? And I think that art is so much more than that. Everyone has an artist wound because they've been told their their art isn't good enough or should they go to college for art or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I think that art has so much external value outside of outside of commerce. It's expressing emotion, it's mm-hmm. it's identifying culture, it's so much more. It's a it's a story. It's an individual story for the viewer and for the artist. So I think um, I think that very much connects to the concept of your job does not define mm-hmm. you. The the art is important. It is, Definitely. and I, especially through the pandemic, I had people come to me and they're like, "Thank you for sharing your art," like because, and I had actually in the beginning of the pandemic, I had pretty like a pretty decent amount of sales, at least as far as like what I'm concerned with sales, like I don't sell a whole bunch, but <laughs> yeah. you know, like when you get those little pops in sales, you're just like, okay, cool, cool. You know? Definitely. And so, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, when people started like losing their jobs, I'm like, man, like people are like, people are buying art right now. And they said, they're like, it makes them feel a certain way and it brought happiness to their lives. And a lot of people were like, well, I need something to look at while I'm stuck at home. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's true. Definitely. I've run into that a lot the past year. People that have never once in their life thought about interior design Mm -hmm. and how their house looks. They're like, 
I understand why people collect art now. Yeah. They're like, I've, I've never thought about it this way before, but it makes me feel some way. I'm like, this is the first time that you're realizing that art will make you feel some way. They're like, I've never slowed down to think about it, but now I'm forced uh, to. And I'm like, I both love and hate that I hear you saying this right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have artwork all over the house from local artists and artists like that we've seen when we travel. Um, and it's like the living room, you walk into the house and the living room was just like a blank wall when we, um, when we looked at the house, my, we were renting, but my landlord said like, she's like, yeah, we didn't like really hang stuff on the walls. And, and <laughs> to what I recall, like they didn't really have much on the wall. And like you go into the house now that we're renting it. And it's like, I have artwork everywhere from people you know, the East Coast to West Coast to, I think I have stuff from this one artist in the UK that I really like. I have a couple of her prints and it's like you walk in and it's just, it's awesome to see that because yeah. each piece tells a different story. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, so, that leads me to another kind of random question, but um, a lot of artists that I know either care a lot about the space that they live in when it comes to interior design and the other half do not care at all because they're <laughs> out in the world trying to have these experiences. And I've seen that there are two camps. W would you fall in one of those two camps or somewhere in the middle? Um, my house, well, I should say our house. <laughs> um, I'm very, everything's very organized. Everything's very neat. Everything's very colorful. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so like when you walk in, that's like our art gallery room pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's primarily where all of the artwork is. And then we have this bright blue teal like velvet couch. It's supposed to look retro, but it's totally not. It's from the <laughs> at home store and we got it. We got the display one because I really wanted it nice. and they didn't have any left on the shelf. So I was just like, can we like get that at a discount? <laughs> can we get the floor one? They're like, yeah, you can get the floor display. I was like, sweet. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Because we just moved and we're broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very thrifty. But like, I love it. Um, I have, I have kind of like a theme to the house in a sense. Um, but I also really like to refurbish old furniture. Oh, very cool. So, some of the stuff is more like antique looking, if you will, but like um, up to date. I don't know how to explain it. It's like yeah. vintage, but not. It's mod. <laughs> yeah, but it's still cozy. And um, I have lots of plants, <laughs> lots of flowers all the time. Nice. <laughs> but when people come to the house, they're like, this is an artist's home. Like you can tell this is an artist's home. Yeah. And um, my fiance always says, he's like, that's all her. Like, <laughs> he told me, he told me, he's like, you can do whatever you want with the house. As long as I get the basement. And I was like, the basement is yours. <laughs> I'm like, basement's your man cave. And we had, I mean, we had fun with it because um, like even that, like there's pops of color here and there with like the pillows and stuff. Yeah. And then, um, my fiance has like a bunch of um, posters. He actually has quite a few posters um, from Doug Bohm or Bame. Sorry, Doug. I always mispronounce your name. <laughs> <laughs> but he's an artist at the Banana Factory. Yeah. And he mm. does 
um, oh, I know you're about posters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we purchased a few posters from cool. him. So like we have those hanging on the wall, and then we have like movie posters and stuff, and other. Um, my friend Adam, he does collage work. So I have some of his collages on the wall in the basement, but it's like, I can't wait until we buy a home one day where it's like ours and I can like actually paint the walls and like get super fun furniture and (laughs) just have artwork everywhere. (laughs) Like that's the dream. I I love it. Yeah. At our apartment right now, I love our apartment, but to get up to our third floor where our living room is, we have a very narrow doorway. Okay. We do not have a comfortable couch. We do not have a stylish couch. And I very much so look forward to the day when we can care about interior design using no preconceived uh, limitations mm-hmm. <laughs> for furniture. <laughs> that's That's been my pandemic passion because at my house in the office space that I use, uh, I have a vinyl IKEA bright orange couch <laughs> and I've started my massive collection of mid-century mod furniture and I'm I just I love it <laughs> we have in the basement we have this bright yellow or not yellow bright orange like velvet chair that was my friend's grandmother's and she's like I'm gonna get rid of this I was like I'll take it That's so <laughs> I was like it's fun. going in the basement <laughs> it's funny how I think my parents are in their 50s and like they would say, oh, my God, that's so ugly. Like, that's so bicentennial. And now we're all like, that is the coolest chair yeah. ever I wanted in my house. I know. Like, 15 years ago, I would have been like, that's an ugly orange chair. And now I'm like, I need that. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. And Elizabeth can can say this as well. Is that I'll go in somewhere and I'm like, that's the ugliest chair I've ever seen. I have to have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we were trying to... Um, so the basement, the basement is finished. So we have like an Ikea pullout couch down there, which isn't actually comfortable to sleep on. (laughs) And neither is the teal velvet couch. Like it's just, it's, it's more for like a show couch. Like we've slept on it before. And it's like, why did, why did one of us fall asleep on this couch? Like it's not, it's just for like sitting and having your coffee in the morning. (laughs) But, but when we were like getting stuff for the basement, we wanted to just put an area rug down there and my fiance was going to pick one out. And I looked at him and I was like, ah, that's too ugly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's, that's like a 1970s, like porn star, like old man carpet. <laughs> that's too shag. And he's like, that's the point. He's like, it's gotta be ugly. I was like, nah. Oh, that's so good. I was like, I know it's the basement, but uh. Uh, so Nina, other than at your house, is there anywhere in the community or sorry, other than at your house or other than on a beer can, is there anywhere in the community, uh, people from the Lehigh Valley can, can see your art. Um, County Seat Distillery in Easton at the Silk Mill. I have some pieces over there. I have more, and I move them um, to Lansdale at Well-Crafted Beer Company. I have a lot down there right now. I do need to get over to County Seat and kind of swap out some artwork. They've been really awesome with letting my stuff just kind of, like, have a home there. Nice. (laughs) Um, But those are the only two places right now. I believe. And then the um, 
bomb school art auctions coming up in May. I have a couple pieces in that. And is that something um, people can access online or is it in person? It will be a virtual auction again this year. They had virtual last year and it went really well. So they're going to do it again virtually this year. Great. And uh, your website, people can find your work and buy your work on your website, correct? So you can find my work and the prices on the website. Um, I don't have a shop set up yet. Okay. Just because I will be honest, it is not cheap to have an online shop. Oh, definitely not. It is not cheap at all. (laughs) And then once you set up the credit card system, Mm -hmm. it's additional. So I'm like, I'm trying to, I've been trying to work out the kinks with that. So really the best way I always tell people is find me on Facebook, Nina Bootsing Art. Or um, on Instagram at Nina underscore Bood, um, and then you can direct message me there. Great. So that's um, on Instagram. That's at Nina N I N A underscore B O O D. If you can send her a direct message, if you're looking to buy some artwork, and there is a contact page on my website too. Awesome. That will go directly to my inbox. That's awesome. Good. All right. Well, as always, we're recording here in Steel Pixel Studios in downtown Bethlehem. If you're looking for a place to record your own podcast or looking for any other freelance work to be done, give us a call, give us an email, or shoot us a DM on Instagram. So thank you so much, Nina, for coming on thank today. You. Thank you. I had so much fun. <laughs> I feel like we're a family now. <laughs> I'll have to have you back sometime. Okay. Sure. Yes, definitely. I'll see you next week. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, Nina, for coming in. Thank you. Well, at the end of each show, we like to conclude with a little bit of uh, information about something local or countrywide. I'm going to get into a grant opportunity for those of you out there listening and who are looking for grants. So this is through the Artwork Archive, and it's a company based out of Denver, Colorado. They've opened a art business accelerator grant to provide artists with unrestricted funds, resources, and a curriculum to help establish, grow, and manage their art careers. This grant is open to professional artists worldwide. You can read more about the grant, eligibility requirements, and deadlines at artworkarchive.com. So this is something that's exciting because it is open to individual artists, um, artists that are doing their own work or trying to create a business out of it. So I think in terms of of grant writing, this isn't something that you probably have to have a lot of experience because they're expecting individual artists to be applying. And again, that's the Art Business Accelerator Grant through the Artwork Archive. Sounds good. See you next time. See you next time.